Hi, this is Richard Watts, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Smart Arts, a weekly radio show bringing news, reviews and interviews about the arts. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Thursday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. The Art Attack team are two people, Ace Wagstaff and Ty Snaith. I was just talking to Ace about uh, virtual tours at the NGV. I'm now joined online by the other half of the Art Attack team, Ty Snaith. Good morning, Ty. Hey, Richard. How are you going? I'm really well. Really well indeed. I haven't got to the stage yet of, I don't know, taking up a new artistic practice in terms of pulling out a sketch pad and pencil that I haven't (laughs) used for about 20 years, but give me a week or two and I may be there. Yeah, maybe this is your chance. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I I think is important to mention at this point, one of the reasons you and Ace do the Art Attack segment is because you're both artists, but you're also both involved with arts education as well. Uh, And you are also a parent, uh, and I suspect you might have a few creative ideas that parents who are now stuck at home with their kids... Stuck, that's kind of a slightly nasty way to put it. It's it's, it's not like it's kind of a, a dreadful, onerous task, but for parents who for are some now... some people it is. Yeah, this <laughs> for is some true. people it is. Yeah. yeah. But for parents who are now at home with their kids for quite a few weeks, the idea of some simple artistic tasks and, and creative projects that can help not only pass the time but help stimulate the kids intellectually and creatively, that sounds like something that you might be rather adept at talking about. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of us are finding ourselves in this situation all of a sudden as not just parents, but teachers and, you know, entertainers. And all of a sudden, you can't just take your kids to bounce or you can't just, you know, send them down to the playground or whatever. Um, And also, I mean, a lot of schooling is going online, obviously, but the art room is quite difficult to put online. And I know that a lot of my friends who aren't artists are sort of asking me or asking online and making Facebook groups and such uh, to just try and work out what can we do? Like, how can we get our kids to be creative? Because it's such an important part of school. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing a few things with my two boys who are six and nine, but these kind of tasks you can really scale to any age. It's really just a matter of how involved you do them or for how long, really, because younger kids sort of have a a smaller attention span Um, and beyond the sort of making Play-Doh and cut and paste kind of activities, there are a few that we've been doing that, I don't know, I just thought might be good to share. Please do. Um, (laughs) So one that we started, I've had my kids out of school for a couple of weeks now, mainly because I just had a cold and I was, you know, I was erring on the side of caution and I thought, well, if I've got a cold, then we've all got a cold and that could be what it, you know, so we just went into lockdown quite early. So on the first day, we talked about making this book. And basically, we go for a walk. We live right near the creek. So we're quite lucky because we can go for a relatively isolated walk with the dog, not see anyone. And so we go every morning for one walk, and then we lock ourselves inside, basically. So what we made is this book we call our Morning Mysteries book, which is, we, we named it together. And what we do is when we go out on our walk, we find one thing 
we decide on the one thing. Sometimes there's a few things and we have to make a short list and then we find one thing. It might be a caterpillar or it might be a stone or it might be a leaf that you don't know what it is. And we think, well, we kind of know what it is. Do we really know what this thing is? And then we take it home and we sit on the computer together and we research in our own ways, which usually for me is starting with an image because that's how I roll. Uh, And then we, we go down the rabbit warren of trying to work out what this thing is. And, I mean, that in itself is quite an interesting activity. But then what we do is we draw a picture of the thing in our book. Uh, one of us, so the youngest who is learning how to do running writing at the moment, he does the title. So it might be, the title might be The Caterpillar or um, The Leaf or whatever. And then we go into, we write about what we've found out it is. Some of the activities we might measure the thing. So you can include a bit of maths. Uh, you know, it, it really does look at different aspects of learning. So it looks at inquiry, it looks at drawing from sight or um, interpretation scale. And then also you can introduce things like maths or comparative sort of um, measurements and that kind of thing. So it's a really nice ongoing project that uh, also is about time. So every week we look back over the book and we look at what we've learnt, which is kind of sweet and a nice memento from this kind of weird time that we're in. I like this idea of it's a creative documentation of this bizarre period we're all living through. Uh, And as you say, it's uh, stimulating uh, a sense of inquiry, a sense of creative expression, of mathematics is involved as well. Uh, It's something that your kids could do with other kids via Skype is share and discuss. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also about place. And I think one of the things that's become really evident for me during this time is that the natural environment is not changed. You know, we're really lucky. It's not actually a war. It's not like the bushfires. We can still, if you're careful, go out into nature and nature is still thriving, you know. And it's one of the positive things to focus on with kids is that what we have around us is, you know, pretty amazing, and especially in Australia. So I think documenting that is quite a positive thing. And, and, you know, as a lot of us are saying, one thing that might come out of this whole disaster is that after this we might start afresh and actually listen to the environment around us and what needs to be done. And I think this is a really nice way to, as you said, document this time. You can write a little preamble at the start of sort of during our time during COVID-19, this is what we did, this is how old we were, and, yeah, it becomes like a journal But, yeah, you can draw or you can paint. We actually do that together. So I might help them sketch something out and then they sit in my studio and they use my paints and sort of colour it in. Depending on your kid's ability or urge, you can just foster that as per the need. Um, Do I have time for a second activity? You certainly do. So what we're going to do today, and actually one thing that I found really useful is... The night before, um, we discuss what we're going to do the next day. So it's like setting a bit of a program. And I just try to stick to one project a day. Like, don't be too ambitious because no one's, you know, like really you just need to do one project a day that's satisfying, that they can feel proud of, and then you get a sense of purpose and accomplishment. So we talk about it the night before to solidify what that project is we're going to do the next day. So today we're doing um, a collective family portrait, so each, including the pets. So if you're at home with the whole family, which is kind of a fascinating thing because you become one unit, um, it might just be you and your child, it might be Two mums and a child, it might be grandparents as well. I know some situations everyone's locked in together. So what can be a nice thing in this unusual time of being one unit is to actually sort of reflect that pictorially. So 
each person in the group, we all sit down, you choose who you're going to draw the portrait of, so each person gets a picture drawn of them. So you've got to sort of work that out, who draws the dog, who draws the cat, who draws dad, who draws mum. And then you draw their portrait. So sitting opposite them, you draw them. You might be drawing someone, drawing someone else at the same time, if you know what I mean. But then you can go as far or as, as little as you like. So you could just do it in pencil or you could then paint the pencil in or you could collage it. Um, but it's important to do all the animals as well, so the whole family. And then you can even do a little frame. So on a separate bit of paper, you can draw an ornate frame, cut that out over the top and what you have is this really lovely collection of your time as being together as well which I think is another thing that a positive thing that has come out of this is you know we've got all the mums and dads that usually work at home and it's kind of hard for them and it's like one ongoing zoom meeting but at the same time you can take them cups of tea and banana cake or they can come down and have lunch with you which is pretty special and I think for the kids going through this it's important to to actually focus on how that's a special thing right now and so drawing a portrait of your time together is one way to do that. That sounds like a lovely way of doing it to me and also a really nice way to kind of uh, I, I guess defuse some of the fear and tension that children might be feeling at the moment as well because kids pick up on signals very very easily if mum and mum or dad and dad or mum and dad or mum or dad um, or primary carer are tense and anxious and frightened the kids will pick up on that so having a way yeah. to defuse that tension and to kind of do that through a creative uh, communal exercise yeah. seems really important as well yeah and I know that there's a lot of dual parents that are both working during this time and that's really difficult when one person can't drop off. In my case, my work's just being dropped for me and I know a lot of artists, it's just like, oh, well, that's all cancelled. So all of a sudden I'm a carer back again. But a lot of parents, it's not like that. So you've got two two parents doing Zoom meetings and trying to make a space that looks professional and it's really difficult. But, you know, you can always have a break for lunch or that break when you would have gone and had a coffee with someone. Do it with your kids and just spend that time where you look at each other each other, appreciate that forced time together that you wouldn't usually have and, and document it. Yeah. It sounds good to me. Tysnay, thank you so much for joining us on the line. And, My uh, pleasure. I look forward to the next one. We will catch you in a fortnight's time. And uh, Ace and Ty are both arts educators. So uh, for Art Attack in the coming fortnights, uh, they will take turns, one person offering creative tips and advice, the other one discussing uh, an online exhibition or other forms of expression in their usual critical mode. So, Ty... I love it. We're in survival mode now, Richard. We, this is survival mode. And we're making it up <laughs> as we go along. So. <laughs> Great. We'll catch you in a fortnight's time. All right, see ya. Melbourne's own Triple R. There will be good times to come. Just because we're in shutdown and isolated and feeling a bit genuinely in my own, uh, to put it, yeah, to speak personally for a moment, I've been feeling a bit frightened. I've been feeling a little bit anxious uh, and scrolling endlessly through my phone looking at stories about COVID-19 doesn't help. Joining us on the line to share perhaps some advice about how you and artists in particular can look after themselves at this time of, uh, of global discombobulation. I'm joined by Greta Bradman, who's a, a soprano, a psychologist and a member of the advisory group for the Arts Wellbeing Collective, an initiative established a couple of years ago by Art Centre Melbourne. It's a consortium of arts and cultural organisations working to uh, promote positive mental health and well-being in the performing arts. Greta, a very good morning to you and thank you for joining us. Good morning, Richard. Lovely to be with you, at least virtually. Now, 
obviously, as I said, uh, kind of, I know I have certain, I've been going through highs and lows. Today is a bit of a high because I'm here in the studio being able to talk to you and, and, and play music that I love uh, for the Triple the R community. But at other times I've been feeling frightened and low and even lonely. How normal are these feelings at this particular time? They're completely normal. I think that, um, you know, us within the performing arts, we're, we're not alone in, in having those those feelings that come up with uncertainty. And I think at the moment, you know, never was the, the level of uncertainty more great across the community, but particularly for us in the performing arts, you know, I'm aware that, um, you know, that, that we're not... Our industry is not alone in, in this, but um, at the same time, we are one of those industries that has been particularly hit hard, where even even those who have diverse kind of portfolio careers, where under normal circumstances, they'd be fine. You know, if one avenue of work was uh, kind of slim on the ground, you'd, you'd focus on another. And with the, with the industry being mothballed, there is a great deal of uncertainty around um, around time frame and so forth. So, I think those feelings are completely normal. But there are things that we can be focused on doing at the moment to, I guess, reduce the impact of those feelings on our life now and on our trajectory forward as well. Because even though it it feels you know very uncertain with the with the timeline being what it is at the moment. It is temporary. We just don't know what that means right now. But we can, as I say, be focused on things that can help us through the coming months. Now, what are some of those things? So rather than focusing on, as I said, scrolling endlessly through our phones for hours, uh, looking at Facebook and Twitter and looking at news stories about the the rising death toll, for example, of uh, uh, COVID-19, what are some of the positive steps we can do to maintain mental kind of equilibrium uh, and to, to try and stay Kind of to, I guess to try to avoid being bogged down in some of the, the darker, more depressive thoughts that can yeah, sometimes absolutely. overwhelm. Yeah, because as you know, to your point, you know, the human brain is more responsive, responsive and sensitive to negative news and, and threats and danger, and we tend to go looking for that. So we need to be an active participant in really reframing and helping orientate our brain um, toward information that isn't threat-based. Um, and that can be that can be difficult, but it is possible. And as I say, it has to be really a conscious activity. So that might mean actively putting down the phone, um, or you know, not looking at those sites which are full of um, those news articles that are sort of anxiety provoking, or um, which re- reinforce our sense of lack of security or uncertainty, but it's also, it might mean picking up the phone and actually actively adding an extra dose of good news to your information diet. So subscribing, you know, following Instagram, um, folks on Instagram like Reason to be Cheerful and Haptivist and actually inclining towards good news. It also means create healthy habits. So even though you know, it's a time where we are far more isolated than perhaps we've ever been, certainly as a community. We can still connect virtually. So think about 
daily exercise as not just being for your body and not even just being for your mind, but for your creativity and also your social heart. So exercise, you know, that connection muscle because it feeds so much more than than just that muscle in turn. So as I, as I mentioned before, video chat, um, it can actually be an awesome resource and remembering that we are all in this boat together. So don't be afraid to reach out to others where you might not ordinarily have that connection or that relationship with them but actually reach out and suggest hey you know you know how like every few months we catch up for a cuppa well can we do that virtually using Skype or using Zoom or whatever it might be so that you actually you see them and you have that connection there's really interesting research to show that oxytocin which is you know the love hormone or the connection hormone if we text someone or if we email or if we um, you know, chat via messaging, we don't have a hit of oxytocin the way that we do if we're on a call and we're talking to them or better yet when we can actually see them have that body language. We actually get that connection hit when we're doing that and that can really feed into our, um, our well-being and, our, and positive mental health and Neurotrans, um, the the activation and release of neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine, which you know are the, sort of the feel good neurotransmitters. So there are things that we can do. I would say number one, communicate, communicate, communicate. It is so so important, and choose your sources of information carefully so you don't get caught up in misinformation and panic. And as I say, actively go after good news um, to your information diet. Um, in order to feed that because we know that as humans we're built to go looking for threats. And at a time like this, our threat filter is on high alert. So we need to find ways of, uh, of dampening that. I would also say engage with mindfulness and engage with, you know, with techniques that are actively about unhooking from the what-ifs and the if-onlys that are going through our mind, particularly, I think, in the performing arts industry at the moment. And use mindfulness apps as, as a way of doing that. So, for instance, Waking Up with Sam Harris is one that a lot of my clients in psychology love. And not because I introduced it to them. they just It's just a really um, engaging, resonant app at the moment. Sam Harris is a neuroscientist, a philosopher. Um, he's also a New York Times bestseller. And his voice is one that just really seems to sort of resonate with people, I, I love um, I love waking up with Sam Harris the app as well, um, and then others such as Smiling Mind and Buddhify. So use those to actively unhook, as I say, from the what ifs and the if onlys, in order to reconnect ourselves with the present moment. And a, a lot of the time, the threats and the anxieties and the worries that we have don't relate back to what's happening within our bodies and within our um, a context right now, the things that we concern might happen or possibly will happen. So to give us a break from that at a physiological level can be really valuable as well. And of course, it's important to recognise, as we said at the start of this conversation, Greta, that the, the feelings people are experiencing at the moment are natural and normal. It's okay Absolutely. to be frightened. Um, it, effectively, we're communally uh, experiencing a, a, a strange form of grief, in a way. Grief for what has been lost. It may be career opportunities and income. It's also a, a kind of, uh, I guess, a, a grief about what 
is coming towards us as well. We don't know. We're, we're anticipating grief uh, in a way as well. So uh, when things... Absolutely. When things, yeah, and... I was just going to say, when, when things do get overwhelming, a reminder that for anybody in the live music sector and the performing arts, the, uh, the wellbeing helpline, uh, 1800 959 500, is a free 24-hour-a-day, 365-days-a-year helpline uh, for, for counsellors who can talk you through some of these feelings if they do get overwhelming. So that's the Support Act wellbeing helpline. You can find details at supportact.org.au. Indeed. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned grief and that, I, that idea of ant anticipatory grief. So David Kessler, who is an expert on grief and um, the author, a, a best-selling author as well, on grief and loss, and he's the founder of grief.com. So you can go there if you want to find out more about what he has to say. But he makes the point that at the moment within COVID-19, the feeling of discomfort that we all have is more than just the fear of economic toll on us individually and collectively. It's also a fear of losing connection and the fear of losing normalcy in those aspects of our life, particularly in the performing arts, and that it is, in fact, grief. And, you know, we're not used to this collective grief to this extent that is in the air, and we don't really know what to do with it or about it especially when we, we know the journey is not done yet and we have this sense of anticipatory grief, that the sense of a storm coming and that, that we're not quite sure what it's, what it's like. And we within the performing arts, we are deeply empathetic people. We care profoundly about our art and we believe in its worth. And so, you know, we, I think at this point, many of us are sort of through the stages of gr grief toward, I guess, sadness and and into acceptance, but there is this sense of, okay, well, you know, we accept that we need to do this, but um, what is going to be the impact on, on, our, um, on, on our world as we know it? And I guess I'm, I'm here saying, you know, you can, if you focus on what you can do about that and go do that, and you can have faith that I think there there are those who are lobbying really hard in the industry and those in, in positions of power outside of the performing arts industry as well who care deeply about it. I've witnessed this myself. And I think that for us to focus rather than on the shoulds, it should be different or, or people should be doing more, I know it's, it's a really difficult thing to have the discipline to ask ourselves, what can we do? And what do we need in order to put our put our own oxygen mask on first? So, you know, what does that look like for us? And be kind to ourselves and don't overreach in terms of what we should be doing in order to be saving saving all of us. Because I think if, if individually we can look at how can we connect and support those around us in our immediate circle and, as you say, use resources such as the Support Act Wellbeing Helpline, and I'll repeat that number as well, one eight hundred nine five nine five hundred. 959 There are qualified clinicians with lots of experience and they're informed about the performing arts in particular and you can talk to them about any aspect of your mental health and well-being. You can uh, make a... Uh, you can make an appointment or you, you can request to speak to someone immediately. 
Um, it's a fantastic resource that is a collaboration between the Arts Wellbeing Collective and Support Act. And, you know, really focusing on putting first things first, which is supporting ourselves and supporting those around us. And, you know, getting back to what we can be doing in in looking at the daily exercises that we can be doing for our body, for our creativity, our mind and our social heart, what does it mean to you to create healthy habits? What do they what do they look like for you? You know, ensuring that there is communication in there as well as some physical exercise and creativity. You know, what does it mean to be creative um, in a largely virtual world? And I think that um, the uh, the CEO of Art Centre Melbourne, who has been pretty amazing through this time um, in terms of her level of communication with not just her people, but I think people across the sector here in Victoria, Claire Spencer, she uses the wording physical distancing and physical isolation rather than social distancing and social or self-isolating to continually remind us that while we may not be physically gathering in, in theatres and places of work, we are still a connected, committed and caring, creative community. And I think that thinking around healthy habits as also being what we pay attention to, the thoughts that we pay attention to and inclining toward language that can help us and help our autonomic nervous system really incline toward rest and digest rather than fight and fight, fight and flight, you know, incline toward activation of the parasympathetic nervous system. And the good news is, Richard, that our breath can really help in, in that regard too. Have you ever... Um, been involved in doing trying any breathing exercises? I have, and I find them very valuable when I, particularly when I'm anxious and hyper, not hyperventilating, but certainly when anxious, just concentrating on deep, slow, calm breaths to calm my mind and relax my body is one of the simplest things we can do. Greta, I'm going to have to leave it there. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you for your advice. I will run through your kind of five key tips again towards the end of the program, just to remind everybody. And details again. The Arts Wellbeing Collective. You can go to artswellbeingcollective.com.au for more information and supportact.org.au for details, including the phone number and email contact if you'd prefer it for the Support Act Wellbeing Helpline. Greta Bradman, thank you so much for joining me on the program this morning. Thanks, Richard. Triple R. My next guest has just joined us on the line. Bryony Nainby is the director of uh, Craft Victoria, uh, the Craft Gallery, and curator of Objects of Love at Craft Victoria. Bryony, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Richard. So um, let's talk about the new exhibition, Objects of Love, which, like many kind of uh, exhibitions at the moment, you've all been pivoting to adapt to be able to showcase this uh, collection of work online. Yes, so um, Objects of Love is a, a, a um, collection of um, works which, uh, which celebrate love in a whole range of ways and um, we opened it on the 12th of March and about three or four days later we had to close the gallery. So what we've done is we've developed a virtual tour of the exhibition 
and we've got lots of information online about the artists and the artworks and also some fantastic images from the Love Lab that we held with Zippu Srivalasa as part of our exhibition opening, which was so much fun and probably the last night that we could have done it without, um, well, before the new restrictions came into place. So um, we're really encouraging people to go online and enjoy that exhibition because it's unlikely we'll be reopening before the exhibition closes and there are some absolutely beautiful works that are included. So Object of Love is a collection of artworks exploring, reflecting, symbolising love across cultures and across a range of cultural perspectives. Um, if people want to jump online as uh, Bryony and I are talking to have a look at the work, www.craft.org.au is the website. Bryony, in curating this exhibition, how broad a net were you able to throw in terms of bringing artists in from different uh I guess, different places in their practice from kind of uh, mid-career through to established artists and uh, culturally diverse perspectives as well. Yes, so um, I I was able to cast a very wide net. There are five artists in the exhibition um, and a couple of the works are absolutely, you know, substantial um, and real tributes to people's personal love. Cyrus Tang has made this incredible work where uh, it's called Momentary Gleam and it's this work which is constructed from strands of hair that her family sent her from Hong Kong. She moved to Australia uh, as a student in the early 2000s and she missed her family so much and she asked them to send them strands of hair send her their strands of hair as as they shed them. And she ended up with um, something like 300 metres worth of hair, which she then braided strand by strand into what is now an 89-metre strand of hair, which is suspended from the ceiling and encrusted in this crystal, which is a process for the artist, which is like um, embalming the body of a loved one or embalming, excuse me, um, memories of precious times. And it's just such a poignant thing to have in the gallery at the moment with no one to see it because it's just, it's like this symbol to sort of separation and loneliness. Um, and also, and then, just, just to uh, jump in for a moment, looking at that work online, the way the, the crystals have kind of accreted around the hair, that sense of, uh, I guess it represents in some ways uh, a sense of growth uh, through pain and, and through loss and distance from a loved family as well, uh, and the way that each kind of individual crystal can then represent a moment in time, but uh, both a frozen moment, but that growth over time of how our feelings kind of evolve and change. Yes, they become like these little sparkling jewels of moments in time. That's a really beautiful description of it. Um, So another artist, uh, Zaba Khan, who um, has a Fijian Indo background, and she and her family have very strong Islamic practices. And the work that Zaba has made, she's an amazing gold and silversmith, uh, are around... Um, objects for ritual use in their in their um, family gatherings, and so she's made, for example, this be- these beautiful pr- 
prayer beads out of carved date seeds. And the date seeds were taken from the meal that she and her family shared uh, after they broke their their, um, fast from Ramadan. So they had this meal together which had dates and she collected all the date seeds and she just carved them and inlaid them with silver and joined them together and then there's this beautiful tassel at the end which is made from, again, strands of hair from her family. Um, And so, you know, there were several objects like that which really talk about um, a, a spiritual devotion and a care for um, other members of the family. It, it's a beautifully intimate piece of work as well. The the idea of taking something that literally uh, your your family's lips have touched, uh, their tongues have touched, taking that and turning that into an artwork. Yes, absolutely. Uh, um, one of the other artists, Vipu Suvalasa, his objects of love. He has um, two pieces in the show. One is a, um, it's a ceramic conch shell and he's from Thailand and in Thai culture, when a couple gets married, one of the main components of the marriage ceremony is when the couple's uh, hands are joined and water is, it's called the water pouring ceremony, and water is poured over their hands from a conch shell which is filled with water that has been blessed by a priest. And so this lovely water pouring ceremony which joins the couple together. And um, and Vipu has made this beautiful conch shell that's decorated with lots of same-sex imagery. And um, he is looking forward to being able to use it in, well, when he made it at the time, he was looking forward to being able to use it in his own marriage at a time when um, marriage equality laws would change in Thailand. Um, and he's also made this other beautiful piece uh, on the wall, which it, there's these five pieces which represent different stages in um, the journey towards marriage equality, um, starting back even before the Stonewall riots in in the States. And it's just... It, Really, it's got a lot of um, significance, I think, for very contemporary events in Australia. And certainly the conch shell is just a beautiful object to admire and to look at, even before the artist has then... uh painted it and shaped it to into an, an even more intimate and personal object. So uh, yeah. if people want to look at the artworks that we're discussing, www.craft.org.au forward slash objects hyphen of hyphen love, uh, or just go to the, the main front page and you go through to the exhibition section of the website. Uh, if you've just tuned in, I'm talking to Bryony Nainby, who's the director of Craft Victoria and curator of Objects of Love. Now, Bryony, as well as this exhibition, which tantalisingly and frustratingly uh, our audience can't go and see physically, but as we've said, they can view online. Uh, Craft Victoria also operates a shop selling uh, home, kind of like home, when I say home crafted, that sounds almost dismissive, like kind of craft at home. But no, these are beautiful bespoke works of art made by talented uh, uh, craft artists uh, on display. I'm assuming the shop is still open so that people can order work if they need it shipped out, which is a great way for listeners to support Craft Victoria uh, during these difficult times. Absolutely. And uh, we have probably one of the best online stores for handcrafted objects that I have ever come across. And we represent jewellers and furniture makers, ceramicists, glass makers, and our 
shop is just this amazing cornucopia of incredibly beautiful things made by, you know, hundreds of the best makers in Victoria and some of the rest of the country as well. So um, it's an easy way to lose an hour just just um, cruising around, looking at all the beautiful things because um, we have many, many things by each maker up online and we also have lots of information there about each of the makers too. So it's a really great way to explore uh, who, you know, some of the best makers in the country are. Now, obviously, this is a challenging time for all artists and arts workers, Bryony. As the director of Craft Victoria, uh, you not only have to uh, keep the organisation running, you have to uh, care for your staff remotely and at distance. I imagine uh, this is a challenging time for all of your staff who must be feeling like everybody in the art sector, a little bit anxious and uncertain about the future. Uh, well, I, they are, but I have to say that the craft staff are the most fantastic bunch of people you'd ever want to get stuck in a crisis with. They are so committed to continue working to support the craft sector. They're incredibly um, nimble and in innovative and cheerful, and so the amount that we have been able to do to um, transform the organisation in the last couple of weeks has been incredible. So um, some our real focus, of course, is on supporting the members, and that's what Craft exists to do, is to support makers in Victoria predominantly and around the rest of the country as well. So some of the new initiatives that we've done so that our members can stay connected and, um, uh, and so that we can continue to promote them is we've set up some new features on our website, like our new Meet the Makers page, which has dozens of interviews on it with makers, and we're calling for makers to send us um, more photos of their studios and studio tours, short videos of studio tours, because we've also got a new section called Studio Stories. And the first maker that we have up on there is the wonderful Troy Emery, who's done this lovely um, one-and-a-half-minute tour around his studio. And we've got lots of um, images there from past exhibitions that we've held of Troy's. So, and it's a really positive and beautifully um, bright and colourful story. So I'd encourage anybody to go and have a look at that. And we've got Craft TV, which has a whole range of um, interviews and tours of the exhibitions. Um, yeah, so there's there's lots lots to look at our, look at on our website. Um, but we've also introduced a new Crafternoons page for children. So um, for all those parents who are not sure what to do with with the kids, where we've just put up our first post today and we hope to put up two or three per week where we have these wonderful craft activities that, that kids can do and, uh, and we'll be posting images of, of all the things that people send us. So, um, yeah, that's just the very start. And now we're looking at how we can uh, shift to de de delivering our professional development programs online as well so that we can continue to teach people how to, you know, do really great Instagram posts and how to write wonderful artist bios and uh, that sort of thing that we would normally do in person and now we're shifting to 
to doing it online. Like all arts organisations and indeed like all artists around the country, Craft Victoria is being flexible, creative, responsive and nimble and, as you've just heard, bringing lots of activity online. To check out the current exhibition, Objects of Love, to browse the shop uh, to see work uh, by artisans from around Victoria and Australia and, indeed, to kind of get previews of artists and everything that Brian has just been discussing, jump online, www.craft.org.au. The future may be uncertain, but one thing that is certain, artisans and artists will keep making beautiful work, and you can see it uh, through craft.org.au. Brian E. Nainby, thank you so much for joining us at Triple R today. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Triple R's Smart Arts a weekly radio show bringing news, reviews and interviews about the arts, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Thursday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. 